Planning for your financial future is a lot like solving a puzzle. Sometimes it's simple, like a jigsaw puzzle. You have all the pieces and you just need to find out how they all fit together to reveal the solution. But sometimes planning for retirement is more like a crossword puzzle. You don't even know the answers to some of the clues, let alone how they all fit together. Like how much can I expect to get from Social Security? How much income do I need in retirement? Or how much risk is appropriate? That's why certified financial planner Dan Caprill is here to host Solving the Financial Puzzle. On today's show, we want you to learn more about finding the right answers to your financial questions and how those answers can fit together to bring you more peace of mind. So get ready. Solving the Financial Puzzle starts now. Thanks for joining us this week on Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm Walter Storholt, alongside the man of the hour. Each and every week, he joins us here on the show to help fill us in on how we can better prepare for our financial future. He is Dan Capril, the president of Matson and Capril, certified financial planner with offices throughout the area, Cincinnati, over in Beaver Creek, northern Kentucky as well. So if you're anywhere between Cincinnati and Dayton, there's a spot near you where you can meet with Dan Capril and the team. All you have to do is call 844-QUIZ-DAN or go online to quizdan.com. Dan's also the author of the book, Retirement Survival. And Dan, thanks for being here this week. Hopefully everyone's having a great weekend. And uh, if you're taking some time out to uh, think a little bit about your financial future, maybe some retirement planning, now's not a bad time to be thinking about those things as well. We've got a couple of questions from people here in the area, Dan, that we're going to get to. I'm going to put you to the test with a multiple choice quiz a little later on. And uh, And what about estimating gone wrong? People who just kind of go through their retirement planning process estimating things, thinking that they're pretty close probably, when we realize, wow, those estimates are very far off, in fact. It's not the best way to plan for retirement. And in Tales from the Tax Side, we've got some uh, top celebrity tax dodgers to go over. And there's some fun people on this list. Uh, Sinbad is going to make an appearance. (laughs) Yeah, Sinbad's going to wish he was out on the high seat after this story. That's right. So uh, let's get to those questions, though, from listeners here in the area first. Uh, The first one coming to us from Larry in Dayton. Larry says, I think that we'll probably get a significant inheritance from my wife's parents who are both in their mid-80s, but is it a bad idea for me to count on that money as part of retirement planning? Yes, Larry, it's probably a terrible idea, and I'll tell you why. It's kind of like counting your chickens before they hatch. Yes, it's possible that you will get an inheritance, and wonderful if you do. The reality, though, is if your in-laws are in their 80s, um, they still have needs. And I don't know what type of planning they've done, but obviously, as, as you're, I'm sure you're aware, um, healthcare is incredibly expensive as we get older, uh, particularly custodial care, assisting you with the activities of daily living, nursing home care, whether or not you have it in your house or whether you go outside. So I've seen a lot of situations where um, a family, um, a couple will get into their 80s and they're thinking they're going to leave, leave, leave a nice inheritance to their children. And then reality hits. You know, the cost of living as it relates to health care can step in. The other thing, too, is you, unless you know exactly how their assets are structured, there could be a significant amount of tax owed as those assets pass over to you. Uh, the other thing, too, is you are assuming, and I hope you're right, you're assuming that they're going to leave the money to you and your wife. I've seen examples where that didn't happen either. I've seen couples decide, you know what? I'm going to leave all my money to this charity because I raised my children to be self-reliant and they don't need an inheritance. So my advice always is plan as if you're going to receive no inheritance at all. 
do the work yourself, be self-reliant, and you know what? If you do get one, great. It's a bonus. But never put yourself in a position where, you know, I always say good planning never requires death to be successful. And that's exactly what we're doing here if we're going to rely upon an inheritance in order to make our retirement wishes come true. Don't do that. Let's do the planning as if you're not going to receive a dime. If you do, fantastic. You have more money than you thought you were going to have. Um, but uh, the reality is often what we think is going to happen, well, we don't usually get that much. And I don't want you to be caught off guard there. This is beyond even just the financial aspect of relying on an inheritance for your retirement planning. But that could also just you know get awkward if down the line, if you're having some foresight into the future, if that's what you're truly relying on, it kind of puts you into a weird position if uh, mom and dad live a lot longer than you thought they might to begin with. I, um, I've seen two instances, horrible situations in my opinion, where in order to protect the inheritance that the kids wanted so bad, they put the parents in less than ideal situations for their care. Um, basically what they did is they said, you know what, we'll take you into our house and we'll provide you the care here. And unfortunately, they were not equipped to do so. And the quality of life of those people went down. So I always tell my clients who have money to leave to children, look, let's put your needs first. If there is money to be left over, great. But, uh, you know, let your, your kids are adults. Let them, let them figure it out for themselves. You figure it out for yourself. If it works out, great. But let's not anybody count on somebody else's wealth uh, in order to make their retirement successful. Another question as we hop over to Beaver Creek and get one from Rhonda. She says, what's your opinion of all the robo-advisor stuff that I've been hearing about? Is it something worth looking into? Well, let's first define, Rhonda, what we mean by robo-advisor. Uh, first of all, I'm a big believer that I don't think that anybody can predict the future. And robo-advisors can fall into many different camps. But the, the idea here is rather than having a person manage your portfolio, you're essentially hiring a computer to manage your portfolio. There are certain parameters being put in place. And uh, because the computer works for virtually nothing, you're going to have much, much lower internal cost. There are a lot of things about the robo-advisor concept that I actually like. I mean, most of my uh, counterparts, financial advisors, they're scared of these things to the point where they won't even look at them logically. Uh, but in truth, there's no reason why, like we have with index funds, where a computer can't be of assistance in terms of buy, hold, and rebalance. And I think that long-term, these are going to become more and more popular where when people recognize that nobody can really successfully read the tea leaves, uh, that really um, the future is truly unpredictable and markets are going to react to it. So let's not get into this game of trying to guess. Um, now, if, if the robo-advisor is trying to speculate the future, that's bad. But if we have a situation where a portfolio is being built using computerized models where you're owning entire asset classes in a very efficient manner, I see nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that many people in the future will work with financial advisors who will ultimately have them put their money in a robo-advisor. I don't see anything wrong with that. But here's the one thing to keep in mind. The real value of working with a financial coach like me, or really anybody who does the proper job of being a financial advisor, is not only to help you pick the investment strategy, whether that be a robo-advisor or not, the real value is in managing your expectations and managing your own emotions. I say this time and again, we are built to avoid pain. And even with a robo-advisor, you're going to see moments where your portfolio is going to go down in decline. 
And when that happens, it is natural to wonder, am I doing the right thing? And too often what will occur is that people will get emotional, they'll get scared, and they'll sell at the bottom. And then when do they get back in? Back at the top. A robo-advisor is not going to protect you against volatility. They may be able to lower your internal costs, which can increase your rates of return. But understand, there's so much more to this game about retirement planning and financial planning than just what do my investments look like. It's also very important that the robo-advisor be built, the portfolio that it's managing be built that's customized for you. And you're going to need a person to help you that there as well. So this is why when we work with people, I always say, look, we're not here to implement your plan. We can. But first and foremost, what I'm going to do is show you the direction you're heading. And then I'm going to show you if that's not ideal, what changes do you need to make to make it more likely you're going to hit your goal? And then after that, you can decide how you want to go ahead and implement it. If that's with a robo-advisor, that's fine. If you want us to assist your portfolio, that's fine. We do use portfolios that are incredibly cheap, even with our fee involved in there. But there's so much more to the game. So I'm not going to discredit them the way I've seen a lot of financial advisors do it because they're just doing it to, to save their shirt. They're so scared that they're going to lose out to a computer like the way taxi drivers are losing out to Uber. Now, that's not the issue at all. The issue at all here is that you need a plan, you need a strategy. Implementation of that strategy comes after that step is done. So I don't think they're evil. I think it's ultimately which one you work with. But at first and foremost, you have to have the plan first so that you're picking the one that matches truly what your needs are. It's so interesting because you're exactly right. A lot of advisors view robo-advisors as a threat, as competition, yeah. where you view them more as just another tool to put in your arsenal. Exactly. And some advisors who are only in the product selling game, they should be scared and they should view them as a competitor because they are. Um, that's not what we do here at Madsen Capril. We develop strategies for clients and we coach them for the implementation of those strategies. It's, it's just like a physician. You know, I have a fabulous doctor. I had a little bit of health issues about a year ago. Everything's great now. And it's largely because he not only put me on a plan, he monitored me. And when I was starting to deviate, he pulled me back. And that's the same thing that we do when we work with clients. So whether I get my prescription filled from this pharmacy or that pharmacy, my physician could care less. And that's the same thing here. So technology is going to happen. But we also need to understand that the psychology of who we are is going to have a far greater influence in our financial success than pretty much anything else, especially what investment products we buy. So, you know, if you're contemplating something like that or you're getting confused with all these products that are out there, I know this time of the year, people tend to look at their 401ks a little bit more carefully. Sometimes their, their companies will bring in new investment options that they can um, um, choose. And it's very, very confusing. Get some insight that you maybe not have had before. You know, we do a wonderful thing for our clients called a portfolio MRI where we go deep down into that, into that portfolio and we show them things that most clients had no clue even existed. We show them fees they didn't know existed. We show them if they're truly diversified or not. This is really great things to have before you go ahead and make your decisions. My advice strongly is give us a call. We'll be more than happy to sit down with you, give a whole, get a look at your entire picture, and then ultimately help you develop a strategy that's based on your needs, um, not just some based on what product. Product is secondary. Take it upon yourself to take your planning to a much higher level. Give us a call. I say this with all due humility and confidence. It'll be time incredibly well spent. 
And here's the number that you need to call to get in touch with Dan Capril and the team at Matson and Capril. 844-QUIZ-DAN. That is 844-784-9326. That's 844-QUIZ-DAN. 844-784-9326. If you're in Cincinnati, Dayton, anywhere in between, this is the number for you to call to make sure you get a spot on Dan's calendar here in the near future. Talk about robo-advisors if that's something you've been thinking about, or talk about inheritances from parents and how that might play into your overall planning equation. If you have questions about the financial world and you want that coach on your side, Dan is the person to call. He is a certified financial planner and your local wealth coach here in the area. You can go to quizdan.com to submit an email question as well. That's quizdan.com. Participate in some online courses there. Sign up to receive some more great information from Dan if you'd like, or just simply submit a question. Again, that's quizdan.com or the most direct route. Give Dan a call 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844-784-9326. We'll keep putting the pieces together when it comes to the financial world and that financial puzzle in just a moment. We're going to throw a multiple choice quiz at Dan coming up here in just a moment. So stay tuned. You're listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Dan Capril is your local advisor in Cincinnati and Dayton. He's a certified financial planner and the person that you can turn to for guidance and advice in the financial world. His team has offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and Northern Kentucky. Call to schedule a complimentary review of your retirement plan by dialing 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844-784-9326. Thanks for joining us on Solving the Financial Puzzle today. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Dan Capril. Dan is the certified financial planner here in Cincinnati and serving the Dayton area as well. Well, since this is solving the financial puzzle, uh, and we can classify a multiple choice quiz, I think, as a puzzle, Dan. Sure. Uh, you got to pick the right answer, just like you know other puzzles, those kinds of things. Uh, gonna throw. Do I get a you. lifeline on any of these, by the way? Mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> we might have to strip away your certified financial planner. Uh, if I need a lifeline. Yeah. Right, fair enough. I, I think fair enough. Th- right. you should be able to do these on your own, but I'll okay. consider it All as right. you go through them. All right. Thank you. But but thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> so I want you to not only though tell us what why you think a certain answer is right, but also why you think the others are wrong. As okay. I think that will aid in our education here, because I think that's important. Not only learning what you got right, but also being able to explain why others are wrong. So here's the first one, an easy right. one for you to begin with. This may not actually have an exact answer, but at what age should people start saving for retirement? When you begin working, that's option A. Mm-hmm. B, after you buy your first home, or C, mm-hmm. when you've paid off all your debts? Great question. Now, before I get into it, I want to share with our listeners a wonderful book that they should get. And more importantly, they should share it with the younger members of their family. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon by George Classen. That's C-L-A-S-S-O-N. Bottom line, The Richest Man in Babylon became The Richest Man in Babylon because he saved 10% of everything he earned from the very first day that he worked. It's a very simple process. And, you know, most of us can live on 90% of what we take home, and we don't even miss that 10%. So the first thing I would say to you is if your goal is to amass wealth, then clearly it should be the first day that you work. I mean, every time you make a dollar, a 10 cents ought to go into savings. You won't miss it. And with the power of compounding interest, 
you'll be amazed how in a very short period of time you have savings that are equal to four, five, six, seven times what you make in a year. So to me, that's clearly the answer. But let me tell you the problems I have with the other two. After you buy your first home, all right, believe it or not, you do not buy a home to increase your net worth. Homes, for the most part, for probably 95% of all Americans, are not the key to growing your wealth. They are expensive. They have a ton of hidden costs. First of all, you're lucky if you get inflation rate growth. There are certain areas of California and the Northeast where that's not the case. Supply and demand sets the rules. Here in Ohio, you just have to leave the downtown area and you see plenty of open fields. There's plenty of room to build more homes. So we're not landlocked like we are, say, in Long Island or California where there's so many mountains and those types of things and massive populations. We don't have that here. I still don't think I could get what I paid for my home 10 years ago, and I put a significant amount of money in it. That's just the housing market. So don't buy a house to make yourself wealthy. In fact, forget, you know, if I could convince people, I'd say don't buy houses at all, but I don't really want to get into that discussion. I just want everybody to understand that if your goal is to acquire wealth, you buy a house for, for a lifestyle. You don't, you don't buy it really you know, to, to increase your net worth. So that, to me, would not be the time to do it. In fact, if you're doing things properly, you're getting out of college or you're getting out of school, you're getting your first job, you're building up some net worth before you buy a house. The reason a lot of people got in trouble with the housing bubble is because they bought homes they couldn't afford. So interest rates went up. They had very little equity in the home. They had very high payments. Put 20% down before you buy a house. Okay. Um, when you pay off all your debts, yes, you should pay off all your debts because every time you pay down a debt, you automatically increase your net worth by the interest rate that you were paying. So that's very important. In some cases, I would tell people to just do that. Now, I'm not counting home mortgage interest because home mortgage interest is very low. It can be locked in. So I don't have a problem with somebody not paying that off first. I know there's some people like Dave Ramsey, they'll say, you know, buy your house with cash. That's not realistic for most people. Credit card debt, things like that, yes, very bad. Generally speaking, what I try to do is get people to do both. Now, if they have a lot of credit card debt, I'm going to have them pay the majority of their excess money towards the credit card. But I still want them to get into the habit of setting aside a little bit every single month. Great things happen when we have the proper habits. So that would be fine. But to me, the earlier the better. Time is your greatest ally. And the power of compounding interest, um, you know, Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. It really, really is. But your biggest ally in growing wealth is time. Put away a little bit each and every week that you get paid to build that up. Because as you pay down those debts, you can then transfer those future payments into your savings. You've already built the habit. And habits are what this thing is all about. Which of these is the best estimate of how much income you're going to need in retirement? So this is assuming, I guess, is you're, you're in your working years. How much of that income are you going to need in retirement? So option A, 50% of your current income. Mm-hmm. B, 85% of your current income. C, 100% of your current income. Or D, none of the above. Well, the answer is D, none of the above, because there is no cookie-cutter answer. Everything depends upon you and your current situation. I know people who make large salaries every year and spend very little. Conversely, sadly, I know some people that are living beyond their means. The truth is is that when you get close to that age of retirement, you're going to need to do a very careful inventory about what are your fixed expenses. 
And then from there, we'll get a feel for what are the additional things you would like to do in your life. Percentages, throw them out the window. I mean, you can use 80, 85% as a rule of thumb with the logic being that you maybe you're not paying social security taxes anymore. You don't have to spend as much money on clothing. But I've always found that whatever expense people get rid of, they pick up a new one somewhere else along the way. So, you know, if I was if I was held to a percentage, I would say 100%, but I don't even like to do that. Uh, particularly if you're in your 40s, your future earnings hopefully are going to continue to grow. So to say that it should be a percentage of your current earnings may be understating things a great deal. Uh, let's not get caught up in that. Let's get a real strong understanding about where your money is going. And if you don't know how to do that, we've got some great tools in our office where we can show you how to do that and also help you cut waste. Uh, we're very good at showing clients alternative ways of, of meeting the needs that they have in a much cheaper fashion. It's amazing how much we waste money on things that we don't use. Uh, so um, it, it really, it's none of the above. Don't fall into that trap. Understand that you have a specific lifestyle desire. You have a specific amount of needs. What we need to do is determine what those are and then figure out if you can afford to retire at a certain age and meet that goal. If you can't, fine, you'll make the adjustments, but don't get caught up in percentages. That's a great point. Don't get caught up in the percentages. Make it more about the plan, uh, not so much uh, the goal, I guess, sometimes is the idea. If you, have, you, have a, you can have a plan to meet multiple goals may be an interesting way to look at it. Yes, exactly. Here's a third question for you on this multiple choice quiz here on solving the financial puzzle. Which of these do you find that retirees fear the most? A, mm. death, B, running out of money, or C, not being able to leave money to the kids? Yeah, I didn't need, even need the multiple choice for this one. Yeah. Without question, it's B, running out of money. You know, if you think about it, if you go back 30, 40 years ago, when people retired, what did they get? They got a pension plan. They got a pension plan that paid them a flat amount of money every year for the rest of their life. On top of that, they got Social Security. So for most retirees, they didn't have to worry about investments. They didn't have things like 401ks or anything like that. They just kept, you know, living along. Yeah, it was a fixed income, but it alleviated that worry about running out of money in their lifetime. And the other reality was people didn't live as long. Now, because people started living longer, these pension plans became more and more expensive. Companies really didn't do a very good job of funding them. A lot of times you'd have a chairman come in. He would agree to whatever, say, the union wanted, knowing that he wasn't going to be there when, when you know, it came time to pay the piper. And they just kind of kicked the can down the road. Kind of like what our government tends to do from time to time. Well, now we have these things called 401k plans, 403b plans. Some of you still have pensions, and that's great. I mean, consider yourself very, very fortunate. But most of us, particularly those of us who own small businesses, no, we don't have that. We've got our own little plans that we have to invest, and we have to make some very important decisions to make sure that we don't run out of money in our lifetime. And this is why good financial planning is so important. You need to have an understanding about not only what your longevity could be, but how volatility can affect you. I had a call from somebody just the other day, another listener, and he was talking about how he has his spreadsheets. According to his spreadsheets, he's going to be fine. And he said to him, he said, well, let me ask you something. Your spreadsheet." Are you giving yourself the same rate of return every year? And he says, well, yeah, but it's, but it's a rather you know, modest rate of return. I said, no, no, you're doing the math completely wrong. Because you need to understand in your retirement years, when you have a negative year, you have to sell more shares of whatever you own to get the same amount of money. So even though the markets can come back, those extra shares, they're gone. 
I've seen examples where people have averaged eight, nine percent and have gone broke in their lifetime because of the volatility associated with getting that eight, nine percent. Consistency of return is far more important for most retirees than is average rate of return. Average rate of return is fantastic when you're working. But when you're retired, you need consistency of return so that you can minimize the, the amount of shares that you're selling. And most people have no idea about this. They have no understanding about the volatility that their portfolio can have. You know, when you go down, when you lose 20% in a given year, you should not be shocked. You should have known going in what the downside possibility was before you executed that plan. But this one here is a big one. People are going to outlive their money. Most people will. I mean, you look at the statistics. They're terrible. The percentage of people living on just Social Security, it's awful. But you know who the fault is? It's the individual. It's not the government's fault. It's not their employer's fault. It's our fault. If we don't take the steps to make it better for ourselves and find out the right information, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And in this day and age, information is readily available. So if you find yourself in that situation, you're not sure, come on in. Let us sit down. Let us look at the direction you're heading in. I always tell people, look, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We're going to assume that you're doing everything perfectly right. But we're going to test it in ways you probably never thought about testing it. We're going to do a lot of what-if scenarios. We're going to study the statistical measures around your portfolio that a lot of people are completely unaware of. We're going to go really, really deep down. We're not about selling you product. We're about giving you a strategy and a plan. If you need to make changes, we're going to explain to you why those changes need to be made. So give us a call. Come on into our office. We'll sit down with you. We don't bite. We're very friendly here at our office. Well, my staff is. They say I can be grumpy at times. But in any event, <laughs> I want to help people because there's nothing more painful than looking at somebody who's been retired for 10 years and have to break the bad news to them that they're outliving their money. That's horrible. It shouldn't be that way. You're not that grumpy, Dan. I've done a lot of radio shows with you. You, you never seem that grumpy. So I, 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 Monday mornings, I'm great. You know, you get me around a Thursday at 4. Well, watch out. No, I'm just kidding. That's too funny. Well, here is that number for you to call to get in touch with Dan and his team at Matson and Capril, uh, the friendly part of that Matson and Capril team. Uh, not the grumpy part with Dan, but no, the friendly folks at Matson and Capril. 844-QUIZ-DAN uh, is your number to call. That is 844 9326. That's 844-784-9326. You want to learn about tax planning strategies. You want to learn how to beat the IRS legally. You go to quizdan.com. Some great courses on there that you can engage in. You can also ask questions to Dan that way. Again, that's quizdan.com. 844-QUIZ-DAN, uh, your number to call. That's 844-784-9326. Stay right there because coming up on Solving the Financial Puzzle, we're going to talk about how estimating can really steer you in the wrong direction when it comes to putting together a financial plan. That's coming up right here on Solving the Financial Puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Dan Capril, the author of Retirement Survival, a certified financial planner with uh, offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and Northern Kentucky as well. He is your local wealth coach here in the area. And again, you can call Dan Capril at 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844-784-9326 
or you can go online to quizdan.com for some fantastic information there. Ask questions, take some uh, online courses if you'd like, find out about upcoming events, all sorts of good stuff at quizdan.com. You know, Dan, lots of people base some of their core elements of their retirement plan on estimates that they've made uh, or even estimates that other people have made for them. The problem is that many of those estimates aren't very accurate once you really delve into the numbers. So let's take a look at some of the common bad estimates that people make. The first one, how much monthly income are you going to need? In other words, what's your budget, Mm -hmm. right? Well, really, you know, how much can you really spend? I mean, a budget is is kind of like something that we self-impose upon ourselves, but often retirement income is is completely self-imposed. So in other words, this is what it's going to be. You got to make the most of it. And an estimate by its nature is not going to be accurate. So we have a choice in planning. We can either estimate at a way where we put the odds, if we're wrong, of having more money, or we can estimate in a way where if we're wrong, the odds are we'll have less money. I, th- I think most people would, would rather be in a situation where they have more money than they expected to have. It is somewhat unpredictable. I mean, you're going to incur expenses that you never had before. It's not unusual for the average retiree to spend well over $100,000 in healthcare expenses that are not covered by Medicare or their supplemental plan or anything like that. They are gonna have out-of-pocket expenses. And if they're completely unaware of them, well, you're gonna be in trouble. A lot of times we also forget Uncle Sam is always around. Taxes are always going to be a part of things. You know, I like to make the point that I've yet to meet a single person who isn't paying more in taxes than they should. In other words, they could be lowering their taxes with good planning, that there is a difference between tax filing and tax planning. And often the failure to understand that leads people to spend even more than they expected. Um, And of course, you have other issues that can come up, inflation, et cetera. Now, the opposite can happen too. People very often will um, they'll overestimate their needs. And what can unfortunately happen there is they end up working longer than they wanted to because they're fearful that they're not going to have enough money. Look, the key here is to understand that there is a proper way to put the odds in your favor. We, we do a, I think we do a great job working with the clients and helping them to document very clearly what their expenses are. We can compare them to national averages. We can play a lot of what-if games with them, and we can really help them cut waste. I like to joke with our clients that ever since they started allowing fathers in the delivery room, and in some cases even cut the umbilical cords for their children, that a lot of those cords don't get cut. I've seen examples where children, quote-unquote children, in their 20s and 30s are still siphoning money off of mom and dad. Mm. Look, if you can afford to do it, fine. But understand that that could be a major impediment to your retirement survival. So, in fact, in our book, Retirement Survival, that's actually one of the chapters, Cut the Cord. Um, So understand that. Understand that uh, you have to make some decisions. And I think having a coach guide you through it is going to help you see things in a far more objective manner than we are likely to do, particularly when loved ones are involved. It's a great point and a bad estimate that people make. How much monthly income are you going to need? A lot of people get off on the wrong foot from the very beginning of the planning process uh, yeah. with that bad estimate. How about another bad estimate, Dan? How much will you need for major purchases? People often mm-hmm. undershoot this number, I think. Yeah, they do because we forget about inflation. So, for example, think about the, your first car or your last car um, and how much more they grow or the infrequent expenses like a new roof that maybe you only have to put on once every 20 years or, you know, the painting of your house or, you know, you forgot that if your daughter gets married, she may want you to 
to pay for part of the wedding. You don't have to do those things. And if you're not going to plan for them, they're going to hurt you. Um, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, the problem with homeownership is that uh, it's expensive. New roofs, they, they cost. If you're renting a place, you don't have to put in the new roof. So you have to be realistic about them. Um, you forget, though. We don't forget. When I work with somebody, no. In fact, one of the first things I ask them when we're doing their expenses, I said, how much mileage is on your car? Because I know that one's coming up. You know, or tell me about your car buying habits. Those things, we need to understand them. They need to be factored into the plan. They're very easily overlooked, which is why having someone talk you through the process can be very helpful uh, because they'll provide the tools to keep you aware. And that's a great point. When you have a coach on your side, they can help you see those things that you're often overlooking. And yeah. unfortunately, when it comes to major purchases, people often overlook a lot of those things. Uh, another bad estimate people make, Dan, is how much impact is inflation going to have on their portfolio? This one yeah. is a little tougher to grasp sometimes. Well, let me give you a couple of rules of thumb. I'm not a big fan of most rules of thumb, but this one definitely works. If you have 4% inflation, that means prices are going to double every 18 years. Now, the thing to understand is that we have our own individual inflation rates. In fact, retirees tend to have a higher inflation rate than working people because they're more they're bigger consumers of health care. And health care to grow 6-7% is not that unusual, which means at 7% inflation, prices double in 10 years. Rule of 72, whatever whatever inflation rate you're projecting for the future, divide it into 72, the quotient is the number of years it takes for prices to double. So a lot of times inflation is like watching a small child grow. We don't see it every day, but we look back over time and we're like, oh my Lord, what a change. And that's the same thing that can happen with our money. It, you know, just a little slow increase every single year and then suddenly we find ourselves paying significantly more for something than we bought when we were younger. So. It has to be put into the plan. You can't just assume you're going to get the same income each and every year and that it's going to stay up with inflation unless you plan for it. Prices are going to go up no matter what. It's a sign of a growing economy. That has to be worked into the, worked into the equation. Last one that we need to make sure gets worked in as well, uh, the fourth bad estimate that people make. How much health care is going to cost? And uh, yeah. uh, some people might loop that into inflation, but the cost of health care is rising so quickly these days. It, it, they are two totally yeah. different things. Well, it, it is. And, and the other thing to understand is another reason why health care is expensive or is more expensive now than it was is they can do more for you now. You know, if you go back when I was a kid, somebody, you, you, you saw most seniors were in wheelchairs and walkers. Why? arthritis. There was no solution. There was no hip replacement. There was no knee replacement surgery back then. It was just part of the function of getting old. Now, thankfully, we can do those things, but those things cost money. You know, improvements in, in medical science don't really result in fewer sick people. They actually result in more sick people because they cure things that prevent you from dying, but you're still ill. So we need to be aware of that as we go forward, that we're going to be paying for these things. And, you know, don't be unrealistic about it. Um, I am a big believer that you should prepare yourself for these large catastrophic costs by insuring at least some of it. 
Um, certainly good health insurance, Medicare supplement plans, stuff like that are very good. But also have a good long-term care policy that if it's not going to pay the full cost of your custodial care, it'll pay a significant part of it. If for any other reason to avoid having your spouse, if you're married, go broke. You know, you may not care because you're like, look, I'm, you know, I'm in very poor health. I'll be at the end of my life. If I go broke, who cares? Yeah, but tell that to your healthy spouse. So we need to make sure that the planning is being done for both of you. This is a very easy expense for people to underestimate. We've got that data in our office. I can show you. If you want to live in New York, I'll show you what your health care costs are likely to be and what they're likely to be 10, 20 years from now. If you want to live in Florida, completely different set of numbers. We can show you that too. A good advisor, a good coach can guide you through a lot of these storms that you're going to face going forward. Let us help you with that. Come on into our office. We'll talk. We'll get a feeling of the direction you're currently heading in. I'll give you the full benefit of the doubt that you're doing everything perfectly correct. And if you're not, I'll show you what changes you need to make, and then you can decide how to go ahead and implement the plan going forward. That's a great point and something that you can do by calling 844-QUIZ-DAN. That is 844 844- That's 844-784-9326. That'll put you in touch with Dan Capril and the team at Matson and Capril right here in Cincinnati and Dayton. 844-QUIZ-DAN, the number for you to call. Talk to Dan about getting a review of your situation. Come in and meet with the team. Get a spot on the calendar here in the near future by calling 844-QUIZ-DAN. You can also go to quizdan.com, access all sorts of great information there as well well as get in touch with the team that's quizdan.com or 844-QUIZ-DAN stay right there because coming up on solving the financial puzzle Dan has stories for us as we get to one of our favorite parts of the show tales from the tax side top celebrity tax dodgers uh, the point and uh, topic of this week's conversation and stories that's coming up next right here on solving the financial puzzle With a constantly changing financial landscape, having a written, customized plan for retirement is more important than ever. In Cincinnati and Dayton, turn to Dan Capril and the team at Matson and Capril. Call 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844-784-9326 to schedule a complimentary review of your financial situation. Find out how you can better prepare for your financial future by calling Dan at 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844 844- 784-9326. Welcome back to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thank you so much for listening this week. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. If you're in Cincinnati, Dayton, anywhere in between, this is the show for you. If you are planning for retirement, if you are planning for your financial future and you have questions, you want to make sure you're doing things the right way, we hope to answer some of those questions here on the show or at least show you a way to how you can start answering those questions. Maybe get in touch with Dan Capril, our guest each and every week here on the show, and his team at Matson and Capril uh, with offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, even northern Kentucky. You can reach certified financial planner Dan Capril by calling 844-QUIZ-DAN or by going to quizdan.com. It's time for Tales from the Tax Side, and this week's topic, Top Celebrity Tax Dodgers. Dan, can't wait for this week's stories. No, these are these are good. These are really good. You know, one of the things I emphasize throughout the, our show is that the IRS, they don't care what you do for a living. They just want their piece of your action. So you can be a physician, 
You can be a, um, a construction worker. You can be a Hollywood celebrity. Doesn't care. You make money, they want a piece of the action. I mean, that's the law. Everybody has to follow the law. So I think that's good. Too often we see examples where famous people get, get off, you know. But the IRS, a lot more objective because they're dealing with numbers here. So let me throw a few people out there that you, you may not be aware of. They've had, they've had some serious issues with the, uh, with the tax authorities. Let's go with Val Kilmer. Remember Val Kilmer, Iceman from yeah. uh, Top Gun, Walter? Remember oh, that? Yeah. yeah. But Val Kilmer's probably the best movie he's done. He hasn't done a lot of great movies, but probably the best movie he did was he played Jim Morrison, who was, you know, I love Jim Morrison's music, kind of a crazy guy, but he played Jim Morrison in The Doors, which was an Oliver Stone movie. It just happens to turn out that, that Val, for whatever reason, well, he owes the, the city of Bergen, or excuse me, he owns the county of Bergen County, New Jersey, Eh, a mere $538,000. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, who knows how that came about? I have a hunch. I know. I have a hunch because a lot of these these actors, they move around a lot. They're, they're doing, they're doing uh, work in different states. And there's something in the tax code which affects really all workers called the Michael Jordan rule. And it's true. When Michael Jordan first became so successful, states started realizing that, you know what? If Michael Jordan comes into our town to play for two days— we can legally tax him a percentage of his earnings for the two days that he played here. And as a result, someone like Michael Jordan, who maybe just did a state of Illinois tax return and a federal tax return, now he was doing 25 different state tax returns. And actors and celebrities came the same thing. So uh, now fortunately for, for Val, even though they wanted 538 grand, and let's face it, old Val, he don't look like the Iceman anymore. In fact, I don't, can't remember the last time Val did a movie, but he was a good investor with his money. So he sold an estate that he had in New Mexico for $18 million. So he was able to cover that, that tax lay. Let me give you another one. You remember, uh, you remember the comedian Sinbad? <laughs> I remember Sinbad, yeah. A clean comedian, too. You know, a yeah. guy who yeah, does it the right way. Sinbad's tax delinquency, $8.15 million. Oh, my. And he turns around after that and files bankruptcy. But unfortunately, when you file bankruptcy, you still owe the IRS. I mean, you can certainly get away from, um, you know, paying your, your mortgage or, you know, your credit cards and all that type of stuff. If you have a judge who will give you that leniency. But as long as Sinbad has the ability to work, he is going to have to pay that money to Uncle Sam. Now, again, why did this happen? This is probably just gross negligence situation where he doesn't have a good advisor, may not have an advisor at all. Here's another one, actually, pretty famous actor, Nicolas Cage. What's your favorite oh, yeah. Nicolas Cage how you, movie, How do you Walter? not like Nicolas Cage? Um, yeah. Gosh, you know, it's it's not as fun to watch nowadays, but I must yes. have seen Con Air a million times. <laughs> great movie. Absolutely, absolutely great movie. So was um, Fast Times at Richmond High, which is way before your time, but was actually pretty popular when I was in um, in college. Well, Nicholas has been a very successful actor. In fact, you may know this. His, uh, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola, so he comes from a very um, uh, well-known family. Now, again, all I can imagine is he just doesn't get around to thinking he needs to file returns because for the tax years of 2002, 03, 04, 07, and 08, I don't know why <laughs> 5 and 6 aren't included in this, he owes the IRS a total of $13 million. He, he got I mean, he, just, he got on track in 2005 and six, but then fell off the wagon again, I guess. Either that or he didn't do any work. So maybe he didn't have any, any income there, there to report. Blows my Gosh. mind. All right, so those are, you know, and a lot of these are, are the irresponsible types. I mean, let, let me give you the ultimate in irresponsibility. 
the Osborne family. So it shouldn't shock anybody sure. here that Ozzy owes taxes, right? Uh, let's see. Ozzy and Sharon, let's see. They uh, In 2008, they got hit with a tax lien of 718000 In 2009, just a little over a million dollars. Now, the good thing about them, though, is they, they teach their, their, these good habits to their children. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, just this last March, got hit up by the IRS for an extra 34000 Now, I have no idea what Jack's situation is right now, but uh, let's look at some people that you think would be a little bit more responsible because they're, they, they're, you know, they're, they're not the crazy personality types. Uh, the director, Martin Scorsese. What's your favorite Martin Scorsese movie, Walter? Oh, gosh. Um... Goodfellas, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street was pretty good. Uh, Taxi Driver. Uh, about um, as raunchy as they come. but <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> now, have you seen Goodfellas? Boy, long time ago. Oh, you should ago. go see. You should see it again. You it know, is, I really is. liked The Departed. I thought that was very good. Now that <laughs> that may be more because I like Leonardo DiCaprio. Pretty much any movie he's in, but it, but I think Martin Scorsese pretty much uses Leonardo DiCaprio in in a lot of his movies. Oh, he does. He, he you know, it's kind of like they're where Woody Allen have his set. You know, Robert De Niro also appears. So Marty, um, Marty's a very successful director, and and really um, has access to, to some of the very best. Um, advisors around and um and there's no doubt that marty pays taxes but uh he uh he got hit with a tax lien by the irs for 2.85 million dollars just last year so it happens um to him let me give you another one here uh uh, dion warwick uh the the singer uh she once owed nearly 10 million dollars had to file bankruptcy but again that doesn't necessarily free you up Uh, as willie nelson will tell you he actually did an album called the IRS tapes just so he could raise money to pay. Okay, so what's what's the, the lesson here? Well, first of all, most people that I meet don't have any problems filing their taxes and paying the amount. That's not the issue. The issue is I have a very strong feeling that many of these celebrities, if it wasn't just pure negligence, may not have had the tax bills that they ultimately got had they done some serious proper planning. There's a huge difference between tax filing and tax planning. Filing is what we do at the end of the year, actually the beginning of the year for the past year. Tax planning is what we do in January for the coming year. Two totally different things. Most accountants I've met in life, great. They're, they're very smart. They understand the forms. They understand the rules. But they're not, pl- they're not trained at tax planning. They're trained at looking what you did and then telling you exactly what you owe. A tax planner, the kind of work that we do is we sit down with you at the beginning of the year and we look at how you've been doing things and we make recommendations. We may, we may, make, may, we may make recommendations on how to change things within your IRA planning. We may make uh, recommendations on how to change things regarding how you own certain things. We very likely will make recommendations on how you are doing charitable giving. And if you own a small business, I can almost assure you there's probably five or six things that you're not doing that you should be doing that can dramatically lower your taxes. It doesn't cost a lot of money to get this type of planning. In fact, when we do what we call a tax blueprint, the fee that we charge is guaranteed to be no more than half of the first year tax savings that you're going to get. So in essence, the tax planning pays for itself. And the beauty of it all is that you get those tax savings the year after that, the year after that, the year after that, provided they don't change the tax law. Now, I'm not talking about doing crazy stuff. I'm not talking about writing off steak dinners. No, I'm talking about legitimate strategies that millions of people, well, probably not millions, but at least thousands of people do every single year that you should be doing also. So if you own a small business, if you're an above average earner, 
If you're a, if you're a single person, chances are you're being pushed up to the higher brackets. There are things that you can do in general that too often I see people aren't doing. Come on in. Let's sit down. Let's look at the direction you're going. Let's see what changes that we can make. But this one is such a no-brainer because, like I said, whatever fee I charge you to do this type of work, I guarantee you it will not be more than half of your first year savings. If I end up coming back with a strategy that's less than what I thought it was going to be, I'm going to lower my fee so that you're not paying more. But, you know, here's another cool thing. We've had this happen where our fee turns out to be only maybe 10% of the tax savings. And guess what? We don't raise our fee in that case either. You get to keep those savings. So take advantage of this. This is something that is not being done enough. I see too many people call themselves financial advisors, and all they want to do is sell you annuities. That's not what a financial advisor does. That's not what a real financial advisor does. Get good comprehensive planning that always starts with cutting your taxes. If I can cut your taxes... I'm going to increase your net worth without exposing you to any additional risk. Unless you define patriotism by paying more to Uncle Sam than you should, you need to come in. You need to learn about the tax blueprint. Go to quizdan.com. We got a great little free course on there. It says it's called How to Beat the IRS Legally. Click on that. You're going to get a great report that explains the tax blueprint in detail. And then... We're going to roll you into a three-part online course that you can watch anytime you want to learn more. So if you want to get a feel for my approach and my strategies before you come in, it's on there too. Go to quizdan.com, quizdan.com, click on the box that says how to beat the IRS legally, and we'll send you that great information. Again, that is quizdan.com, where you need to go. That is quizdan.com, and you will be able to learn how to beat the IRS legally with the great online course there. Take it at your pace, at your own time. That is quizdan.com. Of course, you can always call with questions as well to 844-QUIZ-DAN. That's 844-784-9326. Always enjoy tales from the tax side. Dan, before we wrap up for the week, we also want to make sure that people know about uh, the free book that they can possibly get if they ask the best question. We call it the book of the week, and uh, it's for the best question of the week that gets either called into 844-QUIZ-DAN or emailed to us by quizdan.com. So what's this week's book of the week, Dan? This week's book, Free to Choose by Milton and Rose Friedman. Another classic. Milton Friedman won the Nobel Prize for Economics. He's probably the most highly regarded American economist ever. In fact, I would go as far as to say only Adam Smith, who, who wrote Wealth of Nations, should be more highly regarded than Milton Friedman. We're going through a little challenging time right now that disturbs me, and I try not to get political on this show, but I read a survey recently that said the majority of Democrats felt that socialism is a better system than capitalism. Now, you know, you can say what you want, Democrats, Republicans. I personally am a registered independent because I'm not a fan of any type of politician. But I've never seen a time when people actually thought a socialist system where the government owns and limits our freedom is good for us. It's certainly not going to be good for us as investors. Free to choose gets to a very simple concept that freedom is good. And that while there is no perfect economic system, do we have our problems in America? You bet we do. But when you read this book, which was written in 1980, you're going to think he wrote it last week. The way that he describes the situations and the problems that we had even back then and how to fix them, it's sad that we forget about the problems that occurred in parts of the world that were largely socialist. 
The only way that they were able to keep their models afloat was to limit freedom, either by putting people in prison, building walls, or confiscating huge amounts of people's treasure. Read this book, Free to Choose, by Milton and Rose Freeman. It is a classic, and in fact, it's so good that PBS actually made a series about it when Freeman was still alive. He hosted the shows. He, um, the best example I, I can think of is, was, uh, was Hong Kong. Uh, during World War II, Hong Kong was not a very nice place. It was very poor. And after World War II, the British decided to make it a model for free market economics. They pretty much allowed the free market to, to make all decisions. In fact, up until recently, Hong Kong didn't even have a minimum wage, never needed one. Prosperity was just so great. Now, when the British ultimately turned Hong Kong over to the Chinese, the Chinese were very smart about that, as they're smart about a lot of things. They decided, you know what? This whole communist model, Chairman Mao, it doesn't work. We're going to learn from Hong Kong. And to this day, they've allowed that to happen. Hong Kong continues to prosper. Not as good as it did under the British, because the Chinese government has put some controls on freedom. But freedom is essential. Um, it's essential to the way of life, and it's essential to economic success, and it's essential to your savings. So take some time with this book. It's a great book. I, I cannot recommend, recommend it highly enough. Very neat merge of the uh, financial life and the political life and just general uh, life in that book, it sounds like. And that, again, is Free to Choose by Milton and Rose Friedman. So Free to Choose, if you want this week's book, Free to Choose, you just go to quizdan.com to submit a question, and the best question of the week gets a copy of that book. Or you can call in your question to 844-QUIZ-DAN. That is 844-QUIZ-DAN. One more time, that's 844-784-9326. Well, Dan, we're out of time for this week. Appreciate all of uh, the help you've given us on today's show, uh, some of the fun tidbits as well. Always a pleasure chatting with you. One more time, go to quizdan.com for more information while you wait for next week's show to roll around or call for direct help with Dan and his team at Matson and Capril serving the Cincinnati and Dayton areas. All you have to do is dial 844-QUIZ-DAN or 844-784-9326. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you on the next Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADD and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.